Hello and welcome to the Alcohol Recovery Show, where we discuss practical, actionable steps for anyone who wants to achieve their dream of getting and staying well, happy and free from any form of alcohol dependence. Hello and welcome to the Alcohol Recovery Show. Today we have part two of my interview with Lewis David and today uh, we discuss scientific research. Lewis shares his top tip for people who decided to stop drinking and want to avoid temptation. He shares the most unexpected way someone he's worked with has got sober. And we finish today with the question, do you need willpower to get sober? So enjoy. You've been around alcohol services for, for a few years now. Um, how has scientific research changed recovery methods in the past few years? Scientific research, I mean, I mean, there's so much research that goes on into alcohol. You can read new studies that are done every few days in the newspapers. But in, in terms of breakthroughs, over the years, there's been very little for many decades, um, the 12-step method of treatment uh, f- from Alcoholics Anonymous really was the only treatment out there. Then around about the 1980s, uh, cognitive therapy came along as, as, um, as a major way of, of treating alcohol issues and has con- contributed hugely. Um, since then... There has been very little until we had a form of cognitive therapy, which was mindfulness-based cognitive therapy, um, which was really pioneered in a big way for, by the, uh, the University of Washington and has been used extensively in treatment services since then. And uh, we were talking about mindfulness for alcohol recovery earlier on. And uh, that book is based on uh, mindfulness-based cognitive therapy. All right, thanks for that. Just moving on to more practical matters. Uh, lots of our listeners um, might actually have decided to stop drinking and intend to stay stopped. But what's your top tip for anyone who's tempted to drink again when they decided they would like to abstain? Okay, well, if, if you're abstaining or trying to abstain, and you're tempted to drink. I have, a, I have a real top tip for you here. And it's something that a lot of people don't really think about. There's a very powerful tool that you can use here. And that's acceptance. Acceptance sounds very passive. And I know when I've talked to people about this in the past and on a one-to-one level, they've kind of, you know, looked at me a bit quizzically. What's he talking about? Acceptance. But it's, an, it's enormously powerful. If you can work on the idea of the acceptance that, well, you know, I'm not going to drink again or I'm not going to drink again this month or I'm not going to drink again today, that's really powerful. And it's worked for me in my life. I, I've spoken on a number of occasions about my own problems with, um, with smoking. And um, it was only when I just got acceptance around the fact that um, that I couldn't smoke anymore that I suddenly became comfortable with it and it suddenly became easy. And I haven't smoked for 10 years. It's been really easy. It wasn't easy to give up. It took me years to get up, 
But since I discovered acceptance and just purely thought, well, that's just the way things are with me, then it became really easy. If you, and if you can find that with alcohol, I guarantee you it will become much more comfortable, much more easy to do. Just think, well, that's just the way it is today. Yeah, thanks. That's um, that's a really uh, simple, you know, something that people can apply to their lives uh, right now. It's, you know, they don't have to go out and learn any new skill or read a whole book or it's just such a it's such a simple concept but so powerful so so thanks for that and leading on from that I guess um, the concept of acceptance is also very useful if people are bothered by um, craving thoughts by accepting that those thoughts will come uh, and go uh, and they don't have to give in to them. Well, very much so, because uh, as I was saying in my case, you know, my my huge problem in the past was smoking. And, um, yeah, I mean, the cravings I got for, for months after I stopped smoking, they, they, were, they were huge. I couldn't believe that I was, I was getting cravings for anything up to six months after giving up smoking. But because I accepted that this would actually happen... And because I accepted that, well, you know, I I need to get through this, but I also accepted that there will be a day when all this stops, I could do it. Do you think that uh, it's got easier in, say, like the past 10 years to get sober than it was in previous decades? I think it probably has a little. The reason I say that is that a big problem that people face with stopping drinking is uh, social acceptance. And over the last 10 to 20 years, becoming sober has become more normal in society. Um, the idea, for instance, of taking a month off, doing a dry January, is now very, very ex- accepted. You know, um, you don't feel as though you're doing something weird or strange if you do that. We know that uh, among young people in particular, levels of drinking uh, are diminishing and uh, the amount of young people that are actually entirely sober is going up all the time. So I think, yes, it has become a little bit more easy to to stop drinking now because, um, because it's not regarded as being quite as unusual as it used to be. Obviously, over the years, you've worked with many different people, uh, both, both directly, and you ha- we, you know, you do have interactions with lots of readers and listeners to this podcast. Can you tell us what's the most unexpected way that someone has got sober? That's an interesting question. I do remember one particular client I worked with. I think I remember him in particular because he was one of the earlier people I worked with. And um, when I first met him and did a one-to-one with him, I just couldn't believe how intoxicated this man got because he didn't seem it that much. In fact, he seemed like a hell of a nice guy. But he drank a huge amount. The amount he drank in a day would probably kill me. And on top of that, he smoked um, a massive amount of marijuana and um, did some other things, sometimes did ketamine as well. 
I couldn't actually believe that he functioned at all. And the damage, the, the health damage that this would all be doing him was, was colossal. Um, but he was so strung out by all, all of these substances, which he started taking as soon as he got up in the morning, that uh, he just couldn't get his head round, uh, round stopping it. Then something happened. Uh, he had an accident. And um, if memory serves me correctly, he, he damaged his, his leg or his hip. And he had to go into hospital to, to have um, an operation on that. This turned out to be a blessing in disguise because one thing he wasn't expecting and he had no idea that this was going to happen was that they detoxed him so that they could deal with him. And when he came out of hospital, uh, he uh, hobbled on a stick into uh, one of our morning meetings, looking very wide-eyed, saying that he's completely sober. He was completely off everything. This had shocked him. He couldn't believe what had happened. Um, but, of course, it was a huge opportunity for him. And over the next few weeks, really my role and the role of other people that worked with him was just helping him get adjusted to reality. And um, that, that, that accident he had really, really was that blessing in disguise because the last time I saw him was about two years later and he was still clean and sober which is absolutely wonderful. So that was really turning a an accident, really, into an opportunity uh, for that guy. Very much so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a very nice story. Thanks. Oh, this is a biggie. Lots of people ask this question, and I know it's we've we've had lots of discussions along these lines, but do you think that people need lots of willpower to stay sober? I think that people need some willpower just to get started. Because, for instance, if you are um, going to get help for the first time, you need a certain amount of willpower to, to perhaps go onto Amazon and buy one of my books. You, know, you need a bit of willpower to do that and a bit of willpower to start reading it. If you uh, want to access uh, help, you know, you need a bit of willpower to go to that first meeting or to uh, pick up the phone to your doctor or to a therapist and make an appointment. So, yes, you need some willpower to get going. But it's only to start. I think of willpower as being um, a finite resource. I think of willpower as being perhaps a liquid in a well. And when you need some willpower, you need to draw some of that willpower liquid out of the well to use it. And that's fine uh, up to a point. But if you're using a lot of willpower, say you're trying to use willpower to, to stop drinking, you're going to drain the well. The well's going to run dry and your willpower will be gone. Now, that well will over time start to fill up again and you can start to use it again. But it's not there all the time if you're overusing it which is why willpower as a long-term strategy is doomed to failure. That's a, that's a really nice analogy uh, of this liquid in the well that's going to run dry if you draw on it too often. And I guess one would hope that once people um, start to experience the benefits of getting sober, that willpower will be less 
of a need um, that will carry on being sober because it's simply a more enjoyable lifestyle. Yes. What you need to do, I think, when you when you are using that willpower is to get your plan together, your strategy together. Uh, and that is what's going to keep you going along with acceptance, which we discussed earlier on. That plan is going to keep you going when your willpower is low, when your well has run dry. You can simply rely on your plan. Might be just in trickier situations, perhaps like trigger type situations or where they maybe draw more on willpower than other times. So the need for it just comes and goes. That's right. And um, part of my strategy when I wrote the 10-day alcohol detox plan was based around this because I, I knew that people would need some willpower to actually start reading the book. But to stay sober over 10 days, if you haven't done that before, that's a lot of time. And willpower is is likely to let you down in those 10 days. So the reason why I wrote it as a 10-day plan was that let's say on day three your willpower is faltering, you don't need to worry because you've got a plan. Your plan that day is simply to read the book for the day. Hmm. I mean, I'm aware that, I mean, I've seen the messages and I've seen the emails from, you know, very happy readers who have used the 10-day detox plan, not just for 10 days or 20 days or 30 days. They've actually, they've used it for years. There was one lady I know wrote to you, Uh, She'd used it for two years to stay sober, which is phenomenal. Well, that's correct. And I mean, the the book hasn't been out for much longer than two years. And um, Mindfulness for Alcohol Recovery as well is is a a plan. It's a a longer term plan. And again, you know, when your willpower runs out, that's okay because you've got the book to rely on. You've got the plan to rely on. If you use other services, let's say you go to recovery meetings, you have that structure to rely on. Mm. So having a plan Mm. is the way that you can keep going forward when your willpower is faltering. And if you combine that with acceptance, as we discussed earlier, the need for willpower declines more and more as acceptance takes over. Mm. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this idea of having a plan how important it is for especially for long-term recovery because you know people you can't just make the decision to stop drinking and then it all just happens people actually actively need to do something every day to look after the recovery would you agree with that oh absolutely and uh, especially in the early days especially in the first weeks and months very much so you know every day you need to be doing something Mm. Uh, you can't take it for granted uh, otherwise the chances are you're going to slip up Mm. yeah because complacency is maybe the biggest enemy to long-term sobriety just falling into you know life becomes more comfortable just go along from day to day and then that's when I know you you've used the concept thought bomb which is brilliant concept brilliant analogy People are attacked by a thought bomb, just a random thought of having a drink comes into their head, maybe when they actually haven't done anything actively to stay sober. 
And that could even happen years after the initial decision. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I I remember some someone I knew who'd been who'd been sober for for I think it was something like twenty five years, uh, telling uh, the story about how he'd um, he'd been on a flight coming back from a coming back from um, a vacation abroad, and um, on the uh, on the flight uh, coming home, uh, he was offered offered a drink by um, uh, by the uh, the flight attendant. The flight yeah. attendant. Uh, I was going to say stewardess, but <laughs> that would really age me, and it would sound really sexist nowadays. He was offered to drink by the flight attendant, and without any pre-planning and totally spontaneously, he ordered an alcoholic drink. Mm. It, it totally out of the blue. His wife just looked at him, and he changed his mind straight <laughs> away. Uh, he. But I mean that's extraordinary, isn't it? You know, I mean he'd been happily sober for twenty five years, and suddenly he'd wow. ordered an alcoholic drink, which yeah. just shows you, you know, if you if you can get a little bit complacent, something like that can happen. Yeah. A thought bomb hit him. Yeah, yeah, and probably doing something as simple uh, as reading a little piece of recovery literature every day, or you know, and uh, sticking to a healthy routine as regards looking after yourself all those things are really important absolutely thanks for listening today that's the end of part two of my interview with lewis david Uh, tune in next week for the third and final part of my interview and just to remind you that next week will be the last episode in this season we're taking a summer break but we will be back in the autumn. In the meantime, if you do have any questions or topics that you would like covered in the autumn, uh, please send them to us on via our contact page at Winds Press Contact. I'll leave details in the notes. So thanks again for listening and we'll talk soon. Bye. Until next week, thanks so much for being here. Bye for now. Bye, bye.